0: Welcome to AM Best Audio. If the past is any indication of things to come, then the future of ENS is bright. I'm John Weber for AM Best TV, and we're at the WSIA Marketplace in San Diego, and we have an outstanding panel today to talk about the future of ENS. They are Liz Kramer, President ENS Munich Re Specialty; Nir Gabay, Senior Vice President Admiral Insurance. Neil Kessler, CRC Group President and COO, David Blades, Associate Director AM Best, and Ben Teos, Senior Vice President Business Development Wholesale Sampo. And Ben, let's kick things off with you today. Is the growth that we're seeing in ENS in the past
1: few years sustainable? Hey, John. Thanks for having us today. Um, I believe it is sustainable. I think it will require some investment. I think we're going to have to continue to invest in our people, our technology. It's going to take some creativity. We're going to need to make sure we have reinstructures in place that can support the growth. Um, as AM Best well documented, I think that the 2022 surplus lines market is going to exceed. Well, I think it did exceed 120 billion. Um, you know, it's still the safety valve for the commercial marketplace, and I think that it has to be it has to be sustainable. So I think we're going to have to really invest alongside that growth. But if we do it appropriately, I think it can be done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd concur. Um, you know, I think the, the growth we've seen in the ENS market it's reacting just like it was intended, right? As the world gets more risky, as things continue to evolve, it's the ENS insurance marketplace that's really there to provide that relief. To, when standard markets can't do it, we're there to provide options. So, from my perspective, the market's working just like it was intended. And
3: if you think about it, um, the ENS industry is really um, intended for unique risks risks of the claims and capacity. And with technology coming into to a lot of these um, retail companies, we're definitely seeing kickouts coming into the ENS space. And I think in the future, we're gonna see way more of that.
4: And John, I'd say, you know, we, we've already seen through mid-year where the premiums again uh, for in the ENS sector are up uh, over last year. Again, you know, you had from uh, 20 to 21, basically a 30% increase. Last year, we saw about 19%. This year, it's about 15 16% through mid-year. So again, you're continuing to see um, ENS c- continue to be the, the marketplace that's addressing some of the emerging technologies and evolving uh, risks that we're seeing in the marketplace. And I, I expect that to continue.
5: Yeah, I would agree with all the panelists. Uh, the one thing I would say is uh, we do see, so we're on a great trajectory. We do see business go back into the standard lines market and we do have to make sure that we're very careful about that when um, we've seen a little bit of a deceleration of that growth the first half of this year and and best actually highlighted that Um, but i would i would agree we're not seeing any slowdown in terms of certain areas like property and for example but if we do see some business start to pull back rates start to decelerate or business going back to the Uh, admitted market. I think our segment is very disciplined and will allow that business to go if it's not at the right rates, price, terms, and conditions.
0: Liz, let's keep it here with you. How is the ENS sector adapting to emerging risks such as climate?
5: Well, that's exactly what we're here for and I think we're adapting really well. I would say a few things, um, the the tools and the modeling that we have had, we continue to invest in that and we have to because uh, the business we're seeing, you mentioned climate change on the property side, the models are, are good but they're not good, you know, they're not enough for us to really understand what... Um, you know what's going to happen so we have to add additional tools and technology for that and we're spending a lot of time on that the industry is looking at things like geospatial tools and aerial imagery to help with that I'll give another example because we've been talking a lot about wind uh, wildfire with all of the regulatory constraints in California and what's been happening there Uh, the NS market is stepping up there and we actually, um, I, I'd say that the NS market would, because it was such a predominantly on the homeowner side, personal line space, the ens market only played where it made sense, maybe behind it, you know, worth or more distressed or, or higher value, um, you know, our coastal properties. Now um, that we're seeing a lot of disruption there, markets are in a really good p- place to come in and fill that gap. And that's really providing solutions for the California market. So that's a great example where, um, where some are running away. The ENS market is there to solve for that because we have that flexibility.
0: David, in an increasingly connected world, do you think things like data privacy and cybersecurity
4: are adequately being addressed in the ENS sector? Well, John, I think we've been able to drill down on some of the numbers in terms of. Um, cyber products and the cyber um, insurance that's been provided in the overall marketplace over the last few years has been a little bit more data available um, through supplements to the annual statement and what AMVEST was able to do in in this report is look at the trajectory that we've seen cyber premiums taking over the last several years two years ago cyber uh, surplus lines market provided about a quarter of the overall cyber premium And then that grew a little bit in 2021. Then last year it was over 50%. So I think the solutions, again, given the emerging risks and sort of the the evolution of different cyber risks and the the nature of the solutions that are needed, the specialized nature of the solutions that are needed to address those risks, we've definitely seen surplus lines uh, insurers addressing some of those more so uh, than we've seen um, in, in prior years. So I do think The need for that specialization, the creativity um, to to address those risks. I I definitely have seen, uh, we've seen that uh, coming from
1: the surplus lines market. And I would just chime in too that I think it is um, being adequately addressed and I think the ENS market is where it should be. Um, The freedom of rate and form certainly helps and I think that we've seen an evolution of carriers and reinsurers not just looking at it as an individual risk but actually you know taking a loss control approach right and trying to uh, help the insureds reduce their overall exposure thereby making it a you know, more profitable risk for us. Um, and I think, that's, I think that is a positive trend. I think we have to help our risk managers, help our insureds reduce their overall exposure, um, ultimately will help our industry and, and make it more profitable.
3: I absolutely agree with the panelists. And, you know, cyber is unique because what caused the claim last time is not necessarily what's going to cause it in the future, unlike any other line. And that takes creativity and really foresight and kind of combination of loss control to try to predict where the next claim is going to come from. So it's perfect for the UNS industry.
4: And if I can add, I think, you know, to that point, I think in our discussions with our rated insurers, what we've kind of focused on more is, their overall enterprise risk management and how they are addressing from a risk appetite standpoint and a risk tolerance perspective cyber risk and how they're looking at it and then what strategies they develop from a, a risk acceptance or risk mitigation. So that's mm-hmm. definitely um, been, been even more intertwined in the enterprise risk management of the companies that are at least considering um, providing solutions for cyber risk or, or those that are deciding whether they want to step back from it. So something that AM best from the standpoint of our um, interactive relationships with our rated insurers, we're really focusing on that as well.
0: Neer, you know, we talk about technology a lot. And I've got to ask, how do you think technology, AI in particular, uh, is going to impact ENS in the years to come?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've been thinking about this a lot as an industry. um, As you know, insurance is not thought of as a technology-advanced group, so we have a lot of catching up to do. I will tell you, I think a lot of things are going to be changing in the near future. For one, I think emails and especially PDF applications are probably going away. Right, Um, People in their houses don't have printers anymore, and the fact that as an industry that is a predominant way for us to collect data kind of backwards so we're working on that as an industry um, apis are coming in so with the ability to collect electronic um, data on insureds then you can start to build ai platforms on top of it where we can use kind of smart filtering techniques and triaging methods and even maybe some artificial intelligence to help underwriters really better perceive the risk and really get to more more um, things which ties into the staffing shortage that we have which we think um, AI can help really get our underwriters to make better decisions quicker.
5: Yeah, I might add to that. Um, we, uh, the industry doesn't have a data problem. It has a problem on how to use the data and leverage the data and bring insights and then take action around those. Um, I agree with you, we, um, from, the, from the specialty line side, we're a little behind, but uh, this is a huge focus for us on the carrier side for two main reasons. One, we want to have the insights, um, better risk insights, so we have to build those segmentation models. We wanna make sure that we're not overreacting when something happens, um, and also we wanna be more proactive and make sure that we're, we're making changes, because in order to be a stable and consistent market, you don't want to be in and out, right? You want to be able to provide that capacity. And the second piece of it is speed. Speed to market, speed to response. So things like, and I know the brokers are doing a lot of this, is how do we actually automate or, or simplify some of the tasks, take that away from the underwriters so that, um, you know, for smaller risk business, so that we can allow the more complex business to be handled by that underwriter. And smaller, you know, we're starting to see even on the ENS side, some smaller, you know, homeowner ENS or small commercial, we can much more efficiently manage that if we have some of those automated workbenches and platforms. And the APIs with the brokers are really helping there.
2: Yeah, I'd say I think it, I think it was Bill Gates that said that you know we 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 tend to overestimate the change in the next couple of years and underestimate the change in the next seven to ten years, right? So do I think that AI is going to have a meaningful impact in the next 24 months? And what we all do, probably not, right? I think we have got to get that correct. We've got to get that right. We've got to think about the 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 risk profile of what that means, right? There's a lot to unpack. We're spending a lot of time on it at CRC. I can tell you, what I know everyone up here is, about how can we really use it to make an impact in what we do? And those use cases will take time to develop, right? That's not going to be an overnight thing, given the amount of investment that's going to be required. I think we'll be talking about AI for a lot of years on panels like this. You know, something we were talking about for a lot of years before this, though, on panels like this was APIs. And I can tell you wholeheartedly from our perspective at CRC, APIs are here and we're trading over API and we're trading hundreds of millions of dollars of SME business over APIs. And that has made a meaningful impact for our people, that's made a meaningful impact for our clients, our retail partners, It's for us to get back to them faster. So I think that's been a real win. I think that took some time to get it right and I think that's exactly what we're going to see when we talk, talking about talking about AI.
1: I agree with Neil and the rest of the panelists. I think also um, technology, big data, AI, I think it has the ability to potentially impact almost any part of the insurance, commercial insurance life cycle. Uh, two areas that I think are maybe under-talked about is the ability to help uh, train our underwriters, right? The ability to look at things in real time and, and ask chat GPT or any of these you know, potentially AI-sourced um, solutions, I think it, it can really be used as an education tool to increase the efficiency of an underwriter. And then also on the claims front, right, the ability to potentially triage um, your claims into predictability of pay or not, um, I think that will really increase efficiency on the claims front. So I think, it, I think everything's being explored and I'm curious to see where, where it all ends up.
3: I just want to add one thing that I think you all um, will laugh. Um, we did experiment with like the ChatGPT and Bard and all these uh, systems for summarizing websites. Because as underwriters, we're always looking at the website to see what, what's, um, what, it, what the insured does and um, their operations. And, you know, it actually worked kind of well in the beginning. And then it started to like get worse and worse over time to the point where we caught it lying. And then we asked it, why are you lying? And it got defensive saying I'm new and I'm still learning. So I think it's like what Neil said in the next 24 months there's still a lot to figure out. but obviously the technology and capabilities are there, but we still have a lot of kinks to work out and it's going to be tough for like an, insur- an insurance industry like us that relies on past data to like fully lean into it but you know we're getting there uh, but it's
2: not there yet. I think there's some easy wins, right? There's some spots where we are going to be able to implement it. You know, instead of running a report, why can't you just ask the the system, kind of what the data is you want to see. So there's there's some basic like language model interfaces that I think in the short term we're looking at implementing and exploring. But when it comes to really training a model and using your own data in that model, as you start to unpack that, there's just a lot there that we got to get right from a governance perspective, a risk profile perspective, a privacy perspective. And I think you know, we've got to be measured as we think about those things in terms of weighing the cost and benefits
0: So Neil, near brought up the subject of uh, talent. do you think that we will have the talent pool in the years to come to shoulder all the work that's flowing through ENS, all the business that's flowing through ENS?
2: Well we've had to figure it out. If you think about the growth trends that we just talked about we've had to figure that out a lot in the short term, right? Um, and I think we'll have to continue to figure that out over over the next decade or so right It's something that I, I know that I spent a lot of time thinking about and spending time on, right. Um, and, and it's really about, not not just how do we find those people, but how do we bring them in, how do we train them, how do we make them effective, how do we be sure they're doing the right things, right? Um, how do we be sure we have the producers to grow the top line, how do we be sure we have the the people doing the placements to get the right outcomes for the clients. So uh, it's something we've spent a lot of time on. Yeah, I think we've partnered with a lot of uh, universities and college systems and brought a lot of folks in. I think WSIA has done a great job of helping us with some of the training and sort of the infrastructure to get that done, right? Um, you know, I, 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 when I started 17 years ago in wholesale insurance, I, I'm not sure a lot of people were dying to get into the wholesale business right but now when you go to these conferences and conventions and the gamma iota sigma and all that stuff there's really a lot of interest in what we do right and a lot of people choosing to come into our business and i think that's just going to make us all stronger over the medium term so that's a long way of saying yes i think we'll get there i think our track record over the last few years has demonstrated that we'll get there a lot of challenges ahead but uh, i think we'll get it done
4: And, John, I think it's funny, over the last few years, again, working on the report specifically for the surplus science market, I think we've definitely seen on the distribution side and on the company side more concerted efforts, greater programs, more outreach uh, from the standpoint of bringing in young people, going, you know, to colleges, and and especially the programs that are really good from a risk management perspective, bringing that talent in and then trying to, you know, interject the right resources to be able to cultivate that talent over time to get them to stay. Like you said, this is a, you know, especially on the wholesale side, it's a very, um, you know, very dynamic part of our industry, of the overall property casualty industry. And I think over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I think there's been a greater effort and and a more effective effort in conveying, uh, you know, some of that and some of those aspects of this industry and making it a little bit more attractive. The question is, once you get the talent in, How can you continue to cultivate it, teach them the right things, as you mentioned, and, you know, pour the proper resources in to keep them, to have them uh, have sustained careers in this marketplace?
5: Yeah, I might just add. um, So I started in the ENS market as an underwriting trainee and I missed it. It's a great, exciting place to be, as we all know, 30 years later. I'm back. Um, you know, I went to the standard. I went to the reinsurance side, then I went to the standard side. So, I think we actually have less of a marketing um, piece of a kind of, piece that sort of the the insurance industry typically has. I think we should leverage that at universities at all the different areas. And the second part of it is, we are we need to and we are hiring in different places. So before. Um, you would go we should be hiring from liberal arts and to very specialized schools Uh, we're hiring more data scientists now we are you talk about gamma iota sigma we've got many more universities today that have risk management and insurance programs than they did in the past and and other areas like we've the property market has hired engineers in the past back in the past we're now looking at meteorologists so We also need to widen our reach in terms of the skill sets that are out there because I think that's really going to benefit the market and I think we have a lot to offer as well.
3: I absolutely agree with what everyone said and we are hiring from diverse backgrounds and it's been working really well. I think the challenge that we have as an industry is that the skill sets that got us here may not necessarily alone take us into the future, especially as we talk about technology and data and who's gonna interpret it. We now have to hire a bunch of different departments, not just in underwriting, right, because we need reports, we need um, you know, actuaries, we need a lot of kind of help interpreting the data, and I think we're figuring it out, um, and I say the future is bright with talent, but it's gonna be, the, we're gonna need the best and the brightest to come to this industry.
2: You know, I might just add that you know we, we also need to do a better job in terms of diversity uh, in terms of the population and I think we've gotten a lot better at that look our our customer base right is becoming more diverse the insured base is becoming more diverse right America's becoming a more diverse place so we have to be sure that the population of people in our business keeps pace with that and we can meet our customers where they are from those backgrounds and those perspectives so I think it's really important And WSI has been doing a great job with the some of the new investments they've made in diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, but I think it goes goes without saying that's going to be a critical part of the way we see the future.
0: Well, what a great discussion! I want to thank you all today for speaking with us, Liz, Nir, Neil, David, Ben, and from Marketplace in San Diego, I'm John Weber
2: for I Am Best TV.